Hello, friends. My name is Aliza Kelly. I'm a celebrity astrologer, three-time author, and host of this podcast, Stars Like Us. Think of Stars Like Us as your favorite nighttime talk show that just so happens to be released every Monday morning. Each week, we connect with another amazing expert guest, and together we talk about everything under the sun. But before we get into today's episode, take a moment to rate this podcast five stars. Why? Because you're the fucking best. All right, now let's do it. Sit back, relax, and get ready for another out-of-this-world conversation. This is Stars Like Us. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am your host, Aliza Kelly. And today I am here with someone that I just am so excited and happy and delighted to see. Her name is Mecca Woods. She was actually the seventh guest ever on Stars Like Us. And Mecca, you are now officially the first repeat guest in Stars Like Us history. Wow. And I am so excited because, I mean, that was a fucking long time ago now that was april 2019 the world was a very different place um but we had met even a year prior to that i think in 2018 so we've been orbiting each other for a really long time i'm such a huge fan of your work for those who are not yet familiar with mecca i feel bad for you but i'm excited to introduce you to her now she's a sagittarius sun an aquarius moon a leo rising Mecca Woods is a New York City-based astrologer and author who works to help create a life that people truly want by using their natural-born gifts. Her writing and astro guidance has appeared in places like Bustle, Essence, and on TLC. Her books, Astrology for Happiness and Success, and the Astrology Journal are out now, and she is also currently a board member for the International Association of Ethics and Astrology, and that is what we are going to be spending quite a bit of time talking about today. Right before we pressed record, we sort of, you know, the context of stepping into this conversation, we were we we're talking about, well, the geopolitical stage, right? And how astrologers are being asked to navigate that, how astrologers are navigating that, how astrologers should be navigating that. It's very complicated. And the topic of ethics especially with our Saturn in Aquarius. Uh, Saturn remains in Aquarius at the time of this recording at 18 beautiful degrees feels very apropos. So Mecca, welcome back. It is so lovely to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. It's such an honor to be back and I love your work and, and I'm just so excited to, to talk about ethics today. <laughs> Me fucking too. Me too. So I want to sort of just offer a a few thoughts that I have, and then I'm going to really pass to you and let you share about what this International Association of Ethics and Astrology is doing, the origins of it, the significance of it. As astrologers here, we are navigating in a space that is extremely unregulated. There are these institutional associations and that you have to take tests to be part of, to become a member of. They're they're old guard to us, but still within the greater scheme of what an actual old guard institution is, they're still like (laughs) old guards for astrologers, which definitely doesn't have the same sort of infrastructural support that, for instance, you know, a medical association would or psychotherapy, a, a psychology association would. So, in a lot of ways, astrologers are sort of navigating this work without any codes or checkpoints or any sort of like guidelines or standards, right? Right. So these are things that literally keep me up at night. (laughs) So when you asked to come back on the show and you shared that you were a board member in this organization, I was so truly overjoyed to hear that something was being created and structured around this very issue. And now 
with my rambling aside, I would love to pass to you and just hear about the origin story for this, what it means, what it does, and what we can learn from it today. Sure. So I, um, as you mentioned, I'm currently a board member of the International Association for Ethics and Astrology, IAEA, uh, for short. And it was an organization that was actually started back in uh, 2020. We had folks like Laura Nelbandian, Patricia Walsh, a few other astrologers who are prominent in the field who got together and kind of had a bit of a town hall meeting around like, what do we do about informing people in terms of like what kind of like best practices there are in terms of like practicing astrology and working with clients and, you know, how we talk about astrology, not only amongst each other, but also, you know, within the public sphere, like how do we make sure that we're representing our, ourselves as best as possible and also making sure that astrology is safe, right? Um, that was like a big, big thing. And so I joined the the organization, I would say like in like late 2020, early 2021, um, if my memory serves me. And basically what we've been doing since then is working on, uh, like we have a whole list of like ethics guidelines in terms of like how we should be conducting ourselves as astrologers. So like, for example, one of the first uh, ethical guidelines that we have up on a website is I strive to be a benefit and to do no harm to all with whom I interact, right? So there's about 15 guidelines up there and it talks about like basically like being respectful of people's boundaries, of their culture, of um, the fact that they're all, you know, autonomous beings and that we're not, you know, the, the end all be all in terms of like, being an astrologer, being, you know, like we're not here to be people's gurus or, or gods, right? We're also talking about, you know, other best practices. So like we have uh, videos, for example, one by which uh, Samuel F. Reynolds did for us, where he's talking about confidentiality and record keeping, right? There's another video up there by Chris Marmalejo, who's talking about how to avoid ethnocentrism in your uh, astrology practice. Um, there's another one about like transference and boundaries and how to hold grief for clients as well. So basically what we're doing is we're not here to police people or exact, you know, to tell people what to do in terms of like how they're practicing, but to serve as sort of like the standard, you know, in, in showing people like, this is how you can practice astrology in a way that makes people feel seen that can be, you know, fun and engaging and, you know, interesting, but also in a way that we're, you know, we're respectful of each other and that we want to keep, you know, people safe as well. And that, you know, when it comes to like how astrology is showing up in the public sphere, that we want to make sure that we're representing ourselves as best as possible. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that this work is being explored and that there are there are conversations surrounding this because you know the past few years have been remarkable <laughs> remarkable and a lot of major unprecedented events that just have been back to back to back to back right and mm -hmm. we know that astrology thrives during times of social uncertainty during times of of major shifts uh, on the macro level on a national level on an infrastructural level on a cultural level you know when things are in flux and especially in in this era in this time and especially here in America where religiosity is declining but yet you know the need to have answers and guidance and to find meaning in the chaos really rises to the surface right. obvious you know even since the last time you were on the show in 2019 if one were to just step outside <laughs> what the fuck has happened right, right like right. why is everyone wearing masks now like what is why are there plexiglass screens everywhere you know uh -huh, you uh -huh. in just a very short amount of time even the visual experience of moving through a city and being in a in the world has transformed and i think that it's happened so fast that of course there are some astrologers who are practicing prior to 2020 who you know just have maybe a little more Saturn on their side, a little bit more time, a little bit more experience who have seen what has 
transpired with fluxes in unprecedented events before. But even if you haven't, you know, or even if you have a, a lot of experience with astrology, still the last few years for every astrologer has been a whirlwind. You know, I know mm-hmm. that the burnout that astrologers have experienced has been profound. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. also a lot of younger, and I don't just mean that in terms of age, but less experienced astrologers who have really started learning about this practice over the past couple of years in response to such loud volumes of change mm-hmm. have obviously have, has increased. And the platforms that information has are, is able to disseminate on has also increased. Back in 2019, which I'm sort of using as my measure of how quickly the world has changed, like TikTok wasn't what TikTok is now. You know, right, it, right, it, right. I don't even know if it, if people were on it, I think it was like called like Musical.ly or something. And it right. was a karaoke app. A lot has changed in a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And th- with all of that, there's going to inherently be a lot of whiplash. And I guess, you know, the question that I have in this is, are the ethical principles that are being established within this organization, are they mostly focused on consulting work? Or is it also about how one presents themselves when creating social media content? No, that's a great question. And I would actually say it's both. So the way that we're we're currently working on, um, you know, we're, we're working on a lot of like educational materials. And at some point, you know, there will be more, you know, information that we're aiming to put out. Like we're aiming to build it out into like a membership organization where we could like have classes and, you know, refer, you know, refer people and things like that. And so in creating the themes or the topics that we wanted to educate people on, definitely a big chunk of it was about counseling astrologers and like how to do that in a safe, respectful, ethical way. But then we're also thinking about astrology, like I was mentioning, you know, in terms of the public sphere, so definitely social media being a big part of that. And, you know, kind of wanting to to educate people in terms of like, you know, if we are talking about politics, you know, like I, for example, you know, me and um Janelle Belgrave, who's also an astrologer, we have our own podcast, our Stars on Fire, where we talk a lot about like politics and astrology through that lens. And, you know, one of the things from, you know, when we talk about like IAEA is that if we're talking about these things, how do we talk about it in an ethical way? You know, how do we talk about like these big events um, or these global events in a way that is helpful to people and that doesn't feed into things like sensationalism or fear mongering, right? I think for me personally, one of the biggest sort of dilemmas that I've had over the past couple of years is like wanting to be in a space where I'm educating people and keeping people informed about like the various things that are going on in the world, but also wanting to make sure that it doesn't come from a place that is salacious and, you know, clickbaity, you know what I mean? So definitely, you know, a big part of the, and and this is something that we're going to be rolling out soon in terms of like Instagram and eventually, you know, we'll also be (laughs) releasing our own set of like TikTok soon in just terms of like educating people and like, you know, before you go to post about, you know, what's happening in Ukraine or, you know, what's happening, you know, globally or this, you know, that can like think about how the audience is going to receive it, whether or not, you know, you're giving people information that's helpful or is it just to kind of like drive up views and drive up clicks? Because that's when it can get a little bit, you know, dicey. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that it's a backdrop to all of the past few years. And I have been speaking about this for a long time, looking at the astrology is, is the temptation to sort of create astrologer god figures, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess just to, for lack of a better term, just like this, the cultification, the radicalization that can be done through astrology and other metaphysical practices which we've already started to see, Mm -hmm. you know, 2020 into 2021, I had to unfollow dozens of people, many of whom I had previously had as guests on the show. Mm. Maybe those, those individuals may have been, have skewed at certain points 
you know, they they would make posts over the years because I had known them, you know, for a while and they'd make posts where I was like, eh, it's like, <laughs> I wouldn't say that, you know, or like, it feels a little bit too, as you're saying, like salacious, or that feels a little bit like it's the intention to rile people up in mm-hmm. a way that is not how I would want to approach it. Right. But the stakes weren't as high. You right, know, right. when the stakes suddenly became a public health crisis, there's and we're talking about, you know, people's lives. Mm-hmm. This is the public health crisis. This is also just, you know, various, obviously, like if we're talking about a geopolitical context of like Israel and Palestine or mm-hmm. Ukraine and Russia or even just the tension and the polarization within the United States people, their, their physical bodies and their mental health and their lives, these are not casual things that one could be flippant about. Right. right. And I think that over the past few years, the lack of ethics and then also maybe people being unethical, you know, mm-hmm. going as far as to say that truly it seems like there there is no moral compass. There are no boundaries. There are no limits to what is going to be said for views for a following to create a toxic dynamic where someone keeps coming back to that person for information because they're not getting it anywhere else. Like to me, it's just, it's super scary. It's super alarming because we're dealing with real people's lives Mm -hmm. and real people's mental health and their physical body health and their family's health and their community's health. And I don't just mean because of COVID. I also mean for whatever could come next. You know what I mean? Right. Right. No, I, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, I have a very strong Saturn in my chart, you know, my Mercury's in Capricorn and, you know, ethics for me has always been something that I've cared very deeply about because, I mean, even, even before I became a practicing astrologer, I was very apprehensive about actually like charging money for it because I was like, well, I don't want to give people bad information. Like I was very much like, I want to do this the right way. And luckily I was able to like get mentored and, you know, like I was able to, to, to grow in this practice, but yeah, I do think that, you know, as astrologers, we have to be mindful of like our responsibility to the public. Right. And like I said, the first guideline, you know, in terms of like IAEA is, you know, we strive to be a benefit and to do no harm. Right. That's like full stop there. The other thing that we've been also thinking about or, or working on is also like addressing the issue around like the fact that there are multiple techniques and schools of thought when it comes to astrology. Like astrology is very broad in terms of field and study um, specialties. And that as astrologers, we also have to recognize like what our limitations are in terms of like what we can speak to as an expert or as an authority in our field versus the things that we can't, right? So for example, you know, when I think about, for me, I, I, I consider myself to be a bit of a generalist when it comes to my practice, but there also are other branches of astrology that I'm very interested in, but I know that I'm not going to counsel or talk too much about it because I don't have the the qualifications or the skills to be able to put a forth a educated, you know, expert uh, opinion or take on it. And I think that that's also something too, that we've been talking about as well, both within the organization and also outside of it is like, it's like, it's okay to like be very excited or in terms of learning about these things. And you're talking about that from a, from a standpoint of like, I'm really curious about this and I want to, I don't want to, so for example, like, let's say like horary, which, you know, I'm always curious about it, but I also feel like I don't know enough, like I haven't practiced it, that branch of astrology enough to say like, I can start taking horary questions and answering that for people. But I do know astrologers who do that and here's that person, you know, like being able to re- recommend people or refer people out, I think is also a part of practicing ethical astrology. And like I said, like that's the Saturn piece, like recognizing what your limitations are um, and not being okay, you know, cause we're not going to be able to do every single thing and we shouldn't because they, you know, we should have people who are specialized and trained in certain areas um, and who are good at that. And then we also have people who are good at other things too. So that's, that's another thing that's been coming up for us too. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's so meaningful because even in the past few hours, you know, the barrage of questions that I've had asking to speak to 
the Russian-Ukrainian conflict, if you will, uh, is that's I I can't I can't you know right. I have been studying the United States chart for a long time and I can speak to domestic mm-hmm. matters no, I can't speak to all of them but I can un- like I feel like I have a better understanding of looking at that Sibley chart <laughs> I worked with it for a long time mm-hmm. right. I have familiarized myself enough with the mundane techniques to be able to say okay on a domestic level here are some things that we might want to keep an eye on internationally mm. no it doesn't mm-hmm. translate you know right. i i right. have never pulled up the a ukrainian birth chart in my entire life you know mm. but with social media and then with certain people and I, when i say certain people i'm not like saying certain people wink wink i'm just saying with people being like oh you can apply the same techniques to a ch- uh, the ukrainian chart that you can to this practice to your consulting practices and these mean the same thing and i can make these broad sweeping generalizations about how one thing informs another and finding the patterns but it's like if you're pulling up the chart of ukraine for the very first time making huge sweeping statements about what is going on in that country that you have not spent any time in that you don't know anything about that you have literally no familiarity with whatsoever to me it's unethical and we're in this moment of mm-hmm. and this is happening as we speak at this at the time of this recording and will be this will be released soon so it'll still be very topical but it's in these moments that i i feel very stressed out to be honest and very grateful that Mm -hmm. to know that there are other astrologers out there who are also like "Uh uh-oh we have a problem here because the implications of it compound you know not only does it do harm Mm -hmm. to you know even if it's like a little 13 year old in indiana you know it's still that information becomes misinformation you know and what is the what is the line there Uh and also recognizing that every astrologer is a human and every human has their own biases Uh and whether Uh that is malicious or not they have their own agenda and they're going to be interpreting everything through that lens that nothing is like one size fits all right I think that that's an important piece that you just raised there because that actually you know in the work that we're doing at IAEA we also are taking trainings too, right? So we're not just like saying like, okay, this is what you guys need to do. And we're not <laughs> doing any of the work our- ourselves. Like, you know, we're, we just had a, uh, a training recently that had to do with like inherent biases and like talking about like how that can sneak up on you, you know, in terms of like consultations or, you know, the, the kind of, you know, astrology that you're talking about and like how to like spot and recognize and like what to do about it, you know, when it shows up so that we don't make those kinds of mistakes, you know, so that we don't fall into those traps where, like I said, we're putting ourselves in positions where we can you know, be disrespectful or harmful to other people, you know, based on, you know, their identity or their culture or their background or, or even cultural issues that are super sensitive, right? So, you know, for example, I think about like George Floyd situation that happened um, and how that was a very hot button topic. And of course, you know, there were a lot of uh, astrologers who were talking about that, but some of them didn't have the quite, you know, the same sensitivity, I think, that a lot of us wanted them to have where it pertained to like talking about this and saying, like, hey, you know, this was a real person and there are like people who continue to be affected by these kinds of um, discriminatory laws, you know, um, and we're living this life, you know, especially as we get, you know, in terms of like Black Americans, like we live this life where that threat of violence is very real and very scary, right? And if if someone is doing a talk about it, we would hope that that person would be able to talk about it from a place of not only like, this is what happened and this is what's going on, this the astrology of it, but also doing it from a place of like sensitivity and compassion too. Right. So these definitely are big, big things that are going on and and what this organization, you know, why I joined this organization in terms of like wanting to 
kind of turning some things around and also letting people know that, hey, you know, there are, are, are astrologers out here who do care about the way that this art is being practiced. And we want to make sure that people can come from different spaces and ideas and be able to share that, be able to do it in a way that is safe, that's ethical, where people feel seen and understood. Even, you know, thinking about too, another thing that we've been talking about is like some of like the public infighting, you know, between astrologers, you know, and how that's been coming up a lot. And granted, you know, not everybody is going to be on the same page. And we know that, you know, astrologers are going to disagree, but when it becomes a thing where it becomes, like you said, like a kind of culty, you know, where people can almost like set their followers onto another person and it becomes sort of like, you know, like bullying and things like that. And that's where it's a lot. (laughs) Right. We've derailed so far from, from the value of astrology, you know, like when we get into those territories early on in my practice, started to and actually it's interesting that to talk about the uh financial aspect of things because i I think we should spend a few minutes talking about that for listeners too because i know that especially for someone who's trying to figure out how you know i'm setting my prices for the first time how much should i charge what is appropriate Mm. what is inappropriate when i first started to work with strangers and I was charging very low entry point, you know, like maybe it was $20 for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or even an hour. It was, you know, cause I was just getting, I was scared of my North node is in Aquarius in the first house. You right. know, like what else can I say? I'm very conscientious of, I want to give someone what they pay for. And if I'm still young and I'm still green and I'm still figuring out how to be a consulting astrologer, right. I don't want to overcharge. But what I started to notice is when they were that low, I would also get people who would come in with a lot of desperation. And the questions that were asked were really high stakes, really desperate situations. And this would happen a lot, especially at events or where someone wasn't paying for the reading. And it was like, you know, these offerings, these really sort of like very sort of transactional doesn't take a big investment on the client's part, quest, you know, financial investment. And the questions that I, you know, was being presented with, and this was early in my practice, we were like, you know, when am I going to see my daughter again? How, what are the lottery numbers? When am I going to win the lottery? How am I going to get out of this legal situation? And very quickly, I realized that uh, this isn't going to work. <laughs> you know, I cannot advise on any of these matters. I don't want to advise on any of these matters and in to start establishing boundaries, creating sort of a, you know, a more structured approach to my readings, getting the acuity software in, having a schedule, making it so that people couldn't do an immediate turnaround so that they had to wait a certain number of weeks before they actually had the session. We're able to help filter out some of those like instant impulse knee-jerk reasons to want to talk to a practitioner, um, which was really helpful. But also, you know, I learned firsthand early on that this doesn't make me feel comfortable. I don't feel safe doing this. I don't, as a practitioner, don't feel safe doing it. And I also don't feel like I would be able to offer any real advice to these people who really need a different type of expertise in order to navigate Mm -hmm. these situations. And Fortunately, at that time, fortunately or unfortunately or whatever, like at that time, astrology was Mm -hmm. in a different space. It was not as ubiquitous, you know, and there weren't apps that where you could go and set up a practitioner profile and get booked like, you know, with the fast turnaround like that. So me creating this very, you know, Capricorn rising boundary, like you book a session, you have it in the X number of weeks so that by the time you actually are talking to me, hopefully whatever, any escalated situations are, you're not in a crisis, you know, at the time that we're talking. But now because astrology is so ubiquitous, there are so many astrologers and there are these pieces of technology where you can, you know, book a session with someone and then have it that same minute so fast, you know, and there are these apps that support it. I fear that 
astrologers are also leaning into the crisis, you know, leaning into the desperation, which is to me just like so scary and so unsafe for everyone involved. Yeah, no, I think that's worth bringing up because I do think about like, for example, even like with my own practice, I too, like when I first started out, I didn't really charge very much for my readings or sessions either because I was still learning and I still wanted to make sure that what I was charging was relative to the expertise that I was able to offer at the time. And of course, you know, as I continued to study and grow, my prices went up as a result of that. And when I think about like how, you know, I also created a system too, where people um, have to go through the website and they have to book and, you know, there's a certain amount of time that they can wait. And I also like, even with clients who are repeat, I'm like, please don't come see me, you know, anytime soon. Like, I'll see you next year. I'll see you, you know, maybe six months from now, but like, we're not going to do a thing where like, you know, every time you have a question or are feeling anxious about something, you know, like, like we're not on call basically. Right. And yeah. And so definitely, I think that as astrologers, we also have to be mindful of that too, of the fact that, yeah, a lot of people right now are very much in a place of uncertainty. Um, People are very anxious. People are kind of going through it right now. I mean, even as an astrologer, you know, I'm still kind of going through it myself. Like we're not exempt, you know, from the things that are currently going on. And I think it makes a lot of sense that we have to be mindful and making sure that we're not feeding the frenzy or feeding the fear, you know, feeding that beast, so to speak, by making sure that like, for example, on the, the intake that I do for clients when they're first booking with me, one of the questions I ask is like, why are you getting this reading? You know, take a moment to really think about why you're getting this reading so that when we get to session, you have a clear understanding and expectation of what you're going to get from it. And, and I do too, right? And that's another thing when we talk about like ethics, managing client expectations is a big part of that, you know, making sure that they know that, again, we're not here to be the end all and be all in terms of like what goes on in their life and what doesn't, we're just opening up a window for them, right? And providing um, a lens or a framework in terms of like what's going on for them, why it might be going on and what they can do about it, right? And presenting some options or some, some guidelines in terms of like how they might be able to navigate whatever period of life that they're in at the moment. But we also as astrologers respect the fact that they are autonomous, sentient beings, who are here with their own stuff, doing their own thing, their own lived experiences, and that they can choose to take the advice that we offer or they not. Either way, like we, we're not here to uh, put ourselves in any sort of bigger position in terms of what we already are. And definitely, I think like, you know, to your point, what you were saying about making sure that we're not like kind of feeding into that, I think is also a part of like what it means to practice astrology ethically. Yeah, I think that I'm so comforted to hear you share these sentiments because I, and I think perhaps one of the needs for this organization is that I didn't know, you know, I, I've been scared, Mecca. (laughs) I've been scared. I didn't know, I was like, I'm freaking out over here because I see so much room for really unethical, really manipulative behavior. And I see people mm-hmm, doing it, mm-hmm. you know, and right, right. I don't want to, you know, be the the weird whistleblower like out there I yeah, by myself, you know, so like I'm also like, mm-hmm. what do I say? What do I do? You know, all I know is right. what my or moral compass is and what my ethical code is. And I am grateful to ha- feel like I have a pretty solid, strong foundation. But obviously, I want to keep learning. Mm -hmm. I want to keep understanding what it means to have, you know, not just the responsibility of an astrologer, but the responsibility of a platform and a responsibility Mm -hmm. of an astrologer with a platform that then people listen to. And if people are taking the words that I'm saying so seriously or the guests that come onto the show or the information that I'm sharing there are so many consequences and it can mm-hmm. feel like a lot. But one of the things that I do, and I guess this is for any listener out there, is I, before I post something, I do a, I do a check with myself and say, well, am I nervous about posting right. this? 
is there a potential that this could be misinterpreted or misconstrued? Mm -hmm. And if there is, I don't fucking post it because the stakes are too high. And I also know that I don't know everything. And I know that I don't want to speak and from a place of um, my own bias, my own prejudice, my own unique vantage of seeing the world, and then apply that on a macro scale to anyone who's looking at my content or to an individual who I'm in dialogue with in a session, because the power dynamics of that are really off balance, you know? Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think that, you know, that makes me think about how sometimes, you know, as astrologers, we love to talk about our charts, right? And we also love to sometimes like get on social media and talk about like certain placements, like, oh, you know, if you have an Aquarius moon, you might feel this way. Or if you have, you know, um, a Venus Pluto, you might, you might approach relationships that way. And it's sometimes, you know, it's fun and it's interesting, you know, to, to talk about pieces of our chart. But I also think it can also lead us into dangerous territory where we isolate certain parts of our chart without really any context and kind of paint like sort of like a blanket sort of, you know, statement over, especially if it's something like negative, you know what I mean? Like I've had clients who have come to me who have been like, yeah, I don't know why they always dump on Capricorns, you know, or I, you know, I have a Scorpio moon and like, we'll talk about it and they'll be like cringing, like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> like, yeah, it's beautiful. You know, it's all good you know what i mean like and so i've been finding myself as an astrologer at times like having to do a bit of damage control with folks you know who come to me because they've maybe you know maybe had another reading or maybe they've seen certain things on social media or read things and we're like oh my goodness you know this something is wrong with my chart and it's like no that's just one you know one interpretation but this could also mean this and that and, and also like the language you know is a big deal too like we start talking about ethics as well in terms of like how do we speak speak about things in a way that's accurate but also making leaving leaving things open enough where a person can recognize like this can be true but this can also be true as well like it doesn't have to necessarily mean that like if you know you're born with Saturn in the seventh, you're going to be lonely for the right. rest of your life. You know what I mean? Like you know stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. And and I heard you refer earlier to astrology as an art, and I also refer to it as an art. And I distinctly don't refer to it as a science because I don't think it's right. a science. It, no, it's and I think that it's really important to recognize what astrology can do and what astrology can't do. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. make astrology any less meaningful, effective, powerful. You know, we've both been consulting astrologers who I know have seen the beautiful metamorphosis that people can go through when they start to really live their truth through their chart. And that the Mm -hmm. efficacy of astrology as an art, as a tool for self-empowerment, self-actualization is monumental, but it is not a science. It is not exact. And there's a lot of room for interpret. It's only room for interpretation. It's an interpretive language, which means that it also gives us, you know, we have the ability to, to move with time to say, maybe we no longer need to gender these planets in the same way, or maybe we no longer need to refer to malefics and benefics in the same way that we did in the past, because there's room for fluidity and there's room for discourse and there's room for discussion around it. But at the same time, there's obviously a canon and there's obviously like a tradition and there are certain associations. And I do think that marrying those is really interesting and poetic and lovely and beautiful, but I do find that perhaps it is because of people like to be right, you know, and on social media, people want to be the really right. You know, they want to be the one Mm -hmm. to like hit the prediction. They want to be the one to drop the esoteric fact about something and then devalue all of the other things. But I think that in a way that actually, I mean, it, it, deters me from wanting to participate in, in, in that exchange at all, because that's so not what I see the the value of astrology being. Right. No, I agree. And I think to the point that you had brought up about like whether or not 
you post certain things. I feel like I definitely more and more, especially over the past couple of years, have been adopting that. I mean, I already fret over every little thing that I put out anyway, just because I have a Mercury retrograde in Capricorn. And I'm always like, uh, you know, like I'm always like super like, uh, you know, worried about how it's going to land. But yeah, I think that, you, t- you know, yeah, like with the popularity of astrology, everybody wants to be first. Everybody wants to be right. Everybody wants to have like, you know, the best, you know, take or the only take on things. And that also creates situations because we also have history of people, you know, barring or stealing other people's content in order to do that, you know, like, so, you know, yeah, I think right now, you know, uh, the big thing that I've been trying to, I guess, encourage people to do, especially like the more of like the up and coming astrologers is to kind of like take their time and not feel pressured to have to like know everything, you know, it's impossible anyway. Like one of the reasons why I gravitated to astrology is because it's such a big (laughs) field. And I know that there was always going to be something that I was going to learn, always something new. And I've been doing this, you know, for a decade at this point. Right. And still there's stuff that I'm like, wow, I didn't know that, you know, wow, you know, this is amazing. And I think for me in doing this work, not only just in terms of like the ethics piece, but also just like being an astrologer and like the growth that I've had, I've also kind of had to learn myself where it was okay for me not to have to like have a take on something or talk about certain things or rush the post. It's just like, it's okay if you're not in it. (laughs) You know, it's okay if you're not discussing. It's all right. Like, talk about the things that you know how to talk about. And, you know, as long as you do that as best as you can, that's all that anyone can really ask about of you, Yes, you know, and and the people, the right people, you know, the audience will find you, right? you know, like you don't have to try to like, try to be everything to everyone or, you know, just like become like a, a content mill or anything like that. Like, it's okay. Like easy does it. Yeah. I, I, I also, you know, like, <laughs> I think a great example of this is at the time of this recording, again, this is the week of some exactitudes with the U.S. Pluto return. And what mm-hmm. I was explaining earlier this week um, to some people is that like, nobody fucking knows. You can't, you Mm. literally can't know what it means because it's never happened. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It hasn't, there's no precedent, you know? And when the United States in 1776, Pluto didn't even exist, you know, from in our perception, it wasn't discovered until 1930. So it's not Mm. even a hundred years old as a archetype that has been incorporated into the language. So any application of the United States as Pluto return is really just looking at other, you know, it's it's looking retroactively at what has happened with other countries, what has happened with other nations, how has, right. what has this looked like in the past, but it's all just speculation. It's pure mm-hmm. speculation because, you know, unlike something like Saturn, which is a 30 year orbit where you could be like, okay, here's a pattern, here's a cycle. There can be some you know, astrologers love to find the pattern. So like we can do some good pattern mapping with Pluto, with something like Pluto or even Neptune, you know, it's like these orbits are so big. They're so wide. They're so long that speaking of like, Mm. well, this is what it means for the United States of America is silly. You know, (laughs) it's silly to, (laughs) it's silly to say that with (laughs) conviction. You can say here are, you know, it could look like this, I, it could be, you know, this is what Pluto represents. It's in the second house. What could that mean? What are the things that are going on? But genuinely, we don't know. Astrologers couldn't know. Mm. And that's when you got in, you know, when you mentioned the sort of like the deification of astrologers, I think that that's where it really gets to be a slippery slope where astrologers mm-hmm. present themselves mm-hmm. as having future knowing, you know, fucking Nostradamus shit to be able to like, say I have the foresight to be able to see these events upcoming, that to me is just like so out of, it's so inappropriate. It's so out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I think that like when we talk about future events, in, in my opinion, I feel like the best way that we can talk about is like the way that things can or, or possibly transpire. But being very, I think it's important to be very careful by saying like this will or being too fatalistic 
about certain things and, 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 and kind of taking people's agency, you know, away. Because, yeah, once we start go, vo- like veering into the space of like absolutes, it gets like, as I'm just thinking, like as a person who is listening to that or getting a reading or things like that, it can just feel very like, OK, well, what is the point then? <laughs> You know, like, what? what is the point? What, what am I doing then, right? And I think that, you know, as astrologers, I think it's important that we're not blowing smoke up people's asses for sure, right? That we're not saying that everything is going to be hunky-dory and no one's going to have any problems and everything's just going to be peace on earth. But I also think it's, we shouldn't veer into the opposite, right? The extreme of that and just be like, it's all bad. <laughs> no good can come from this or, you know, things like that. But but present something that's somewhere in the middle. Right. I think that to the best of our ability, I mean, especially when we're working with clients to really be present, to be engaged, to understand, you know, what do what does this person who's coming to me want? You know, what are they looking to receive insight or clarification on and to illuminate and offer practical solutions based on one's level of expertise that are going to be advantageous and so that a person walks away from a session feeling empowered and uplifted even if they're going through a difficult time that they're still you know we're we're focusing more on like when that cycle is going to end than we're focusing on mm-hmm. what fucked up things could happen when they're there you know like it's right, i think it's right. really important for people to to know that everything is in flow and to know that we're always in cycles and to know that you know even a a really scary time is always in astrology followed by a very different house, a very different theme, a very different energy, the different sign, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I relate to what you had said about doing damage control in your own sessions where like, I'll talk to people who are like, I had an astrologer tell me that Uranus in my eighth house means that my whole family is going to die. And it's like, it's going to be there for 10 wow. years. You know, (laughs) a long time, you know, (laughs) is it going to be over the whole decade that you have this giant eighth house that Uranus is going to be going through or what? Right. Exactly. Yep. Yep, I agree. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. No, I think that um, the way in which we're practicing it's yeah, like we have to be we have to also be mindful that, you know, sometimes there could be things that come up for people, too, that they may not even be ready to talk about. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that we have to be respectful of that and not try to push or prod someone into a area that they may really be triggered or uncomfortable with. Right. And just because you can see something in the chart doesn't necessarily mean that that person might want that information. Right. And that doesn't mean to say that they'll never come to that. But as an astrologer, you also have to recognize like when a person is ready for something and when they're not and being respectful of that. And again, it kind of boils back to the fact that like, we're not the end all be all, you know, they, they're a sentient autonomous beings. It's not our job to fix them. And, and I love, you know, like Jessica Liato, um, had, had a podcast about this, uh, recently. And she was talking about that as well. Just like, you know, you have to respect the person's path pretty much. You know, like this is, this is their path. You know, they're going to have some stuff going on in their path, but it's not our job as astrologers to try to like save them or even, you know, point them in a direction that they may not be ready to yeah, go. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what that also makes me think about is, you know, when working with someone and depending on whether you're doing an in-person session or a Zoom session or a phone session, not everyone is going to have the same level of sensitivity embedded into them to know when someone seems apprehensive, in which case we need then spaces like it sounds like what this organization is endeavoring to do where trauma-informed experts Mm -hmm. can help astrologers learn that skill because learning the skills Mm -hmm. of astrology, learning what planets equal what and how to do a horoscope delineation has nothing to do with sitting with someone and being, you know, a consulting astrologer. When it comes down to like how you're actually showing up in that dialogue, you're also working with not just the planets, you're working with a real person and their real past and their real mental health and their real situations and stakes involved. 
Yes. I know that ESAR has some ethics classes that are baked into the membership, but I, I think that it's like a certain number of hours that you have to do. I mean, mm. it's, it's also mm. who's teaching those classes, you know, like it also needs, we need right. to be listening to a variety of different people who, so that we mm-hmm. have the representation to know what works with some people is not going to be able to work for others. And it's not a one-to-one, you can't just transfer it. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And that definitely is something um, that we're doing with, with IEA. Like we definitely want to be mindful of the fact of like, there's a need for diversity. Um, We definitely want to make sure that when we talk about things like trauma, in fact, that that's going to be some of the upcoming um, like videos that we're going to be releasing soon to be talking about that. So we have we have a couple of videos up that are up on the website now that people can go and check out if they want to know a little bit more about certain issue ethical issues that show up within within consultation. Um, eventually, we would like to put out some more stuff that will be more for like the general public as well in terms of like how to find an astrologer and what to do if you're in an astrology reading and you feel uncomfortable and you know things of that nature. But, in, you know, we're, we're talking about some things where it's like, you know, if you are not skilled, again, kind of goes back to what we're saying, like, if you're not skilled in certain areas, it's probably best to steer clear from it. So like, you know, talking about, you know, trauma or trying to unpack someone's trauma in their chart and you're, you're not really skilled in their area, you can really end up like harming a person and really opening up a landmine. You know, um, I rem- I'll never forget when I first was learning how to do um, read a chart and uh rebecca gordon who is a great friend of mine who was actually my mentor at the time she was she was having me read it you know for her practically practicing like okay you know pretend i'm the client you know give me a reading like let you know let let me see what you're doing and i was giving her this and you know my mercury and capricorn was like okay well here are all the problems (laughs) and she was like okay but I'm pretty sure they kind of have a, uh, an idea of what the problems are if they're coming to you. How are you going to get them out of that? Like, how are you going to show them a way out of those problems? Like, we can't just zero in on that. We have to be able to give them something or talk about things that are like solution-based, you know, or, uh, you know, prescriptive in some way that are going to help people with dealing with these problems or handling these problems. And on there, and that that really was like an eye-opener for me in terms of like reading a chart. It's like, like, yeah, you can't just lead a person into this really dark space and, you know, open up all this stuff and not have like a, a, a good way to be able to kind of like get out yes. of that. So yeah, these definitely are all things that we're talking about within the organization. And we're going to be, like I said, putting out more videos and content um, on socials um, and on the website, you know, to definitely like educate people on this stuff. Amazing. Thank you so much, Mecca. Um, So where can we find you? And then where can we find the website where we can start accessing the videos and we can see what's coming up next? Sure. So um, you can find me um, at my website, mylifecreated.com. And you can, you know, find all my info there on my books and my socials and, you know, what I got going on next. Um, As far as the International Association of Ethics and Astrology, you can find us at ethicalastrologers.org. Thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure, such an illuminating conversation. I so appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. I love you. 